Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we continue our series, Are You Connected?, as we are led by the Reverend Dr. John Guest. Pastor John will be preaching out of the book of Ephesians on being connected to the commitment. You can get connected with us here at Christ Church on our website, which is ccgf.org, and you can stay connected with us via our app, which is available on iOS and Android devices, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, here is Pastor John with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Well, in getting connected, I hope all of you have your all the bars lit up in your spiritual listening device so that you can hear what God has to say to you. So let me talk to him for a moment and ask him to do that. How about that? Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, walk amongst us right now. Light up our lives. Stir us out of lethargy, contentedness, laziness, cowardice. Forgive us, Lord, that you have said so often to us amazing things which we have heard and discarded. I pray now, Lord, you would take my lips and speak through them, that you would take our minds and think through them, that you would take our wills and bend them to your own, and that you would take our hearts, Lord Jesus, right here this morning, and set them on fire with love for yourself. That's our prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, what makes the big difference is getting committed. Getting committed. That is, making a decision and then following through on the decision. Human personality, one way of looking at it, is made up of three parts. Your mind with which you think. So that's your information gathering. Your intellect, the intellectual piece of you. Your mind with which you think. Your emotions that you feel with. So they're always in flux. Sometimes we're excited, sometimes we're depressed, sometimes we're just mumbling along. It all seems pretty dreary. Wherever we find ourselves... Even now in this service, even now, right now as I'm speaking, there's some kind of emotion stirring in you. Maybe up, down, or indifferent. But you feel things. That's a gift from God. And the third is your will. So you've got your intellectual, you've got your emotional, and then you've got your volitional peace. That is, the decisions you make. The choices, sometimes you just make choices randomly, sometimes in the excitement of a moment, like when you're shopping. Or sometimes you really struggle with what you should do. You weigh things. 
But at some point, you come to a decision and take action following the decision. Those three parts. Commitment. You can be stirred to make a commitment. You can intellectually say, I should make a commitment. But actually getting down to it and making that commitment and sticking with it is another piece of God's giftedness to us as human beings. We're not like leaves on a tree. I'm watching them change color all around me where we live. Soon they'll be coming off the trees. They'll have done their job. They'd have been sitting out there in the sunshine and by osmosis, taking energy out of the daylight and nourishing the tree. We're not leaves on a tree by osmosis, just taking stuff in and it somehow automatically does something for us. We've got minds that can think our way through things. Emotions by which we respond one way or another. But as most importantly as I want to address this morning, you have a will to make a choice. Some of you have made really rotten choices across the space of your life, as I have. And you can look back on them now and you regret them. They haunt you. Some of you have made commitments that you are thrilled you made and have been able to keep. Fifty years ago, this, this, this year, I committed myself to Kathleen Ann Heger in holy matrimony. And God has blessed us for 50 years in keeping those vows. But when I was asked, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? And I said, I do. I did. We hadn't been in the sack together. We'd kept our hands off each other. And I wanted to get my hands on her. (laughs) Do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? I said, I do. And then I was asked to make this pledge as I gave her the ring. This goes back to 1552, an old book of common prayer in England, modified slightly in 1662 and somewhat modified again in 1928. But listen to these words. With my body, I thee worship. With all my worldly goods I thee endow. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. What have I got left? I just gave it all away. I love the phrase that was on the screen here just now. All in. Did you hear the guy? Do you remember that phrase one of the guys said about being all in? You know where that comes from, that phrase all in? Gambling. Poker. Have you watched Fascinated with these guys who are gambling with hundreds of thousands of maybe millions of dollars on the table by the way of the chips that they've got there? 
What when the guy puts it all in the middle of the table and he says, I'm all in? Have you ever made that kind of commitment with Christ, with your life? All in. There are steps by which we may end up arriving there all in. But wherever you are this morning is a place to begin. May God be speaking to you out of what we have to say from his word about being all in. To make a commitment. You see, the service sheet you had when you came in, maybe still got on your lap, is loaded with opportunities for you to connect. And by way of those connections, make your way to being all in. Turning up here this morning is an opportunity, because here I am addressing that subject. To take advantage, let me put it in other terms, God has a plan for your life. When you're all in with him, when you take advantage of all those opportunities he presents you with to grow in the image of Christ, you learn what it means and grow substantially by making those decisions and those commitments along the way to be true to him, true to his word, and true to the things you need to be doing with your life in order to become the kind of person that he really wants you to be. If you do have a New Testament in your hand, turn to the epistle, the letter to the Ephesians. You can turn to page two in your service sheet and find some of the words, most of the words, I'll be speaking to. Because I'd ask you to do that, and if you've got a pencil or something or other, circle some of the statements that are made there that lead us through this passage. For instance, it's clear that God wants to build us up. That we might be built up. Look at verse 12. It says this, In him, and through faith in him, I've got the wrong verse there, so if you're looking at it, let me go to the next chapter. It makes a difference. (laughs) Chapter 4, verse 12. What I was about to read wasn't bad. It was good stuff. But this is the, I was in the wrong place. God's given leadership in the church, that's verse 11, to verse 12, to prepare, another translation says to equip, to prepare God's people for works of service, that is ministry, so that the body of Christ may be, circle this phrase, built up. There's a building process going on amongst the fellowship of believers as leadership exercises gifts given by God and ministers to you, teaching, preaching, leading, to build up to verse 13 until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and, circle this phrase, become mature. Nobody is born mature. Nobody is born again and comes to Christ mature. It's a growing process to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
And so verse 14, then we will no longer be infants. Who wants to be infantile? Who wants to be a kid forever? So that we are no longer infants moved back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. So verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things, next phrase, circle it, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And so verse 16, from him, that's the Lord Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, so you can see the illustration he used here of the human body, grows and builds itself up in love. It grows and builds itself up in love as, this is where it comes right down to you, each part does its work. As each part, each individual, each person does what you're supposed to be doing within the family of God. Now just to take that single thought, I don't know if you've ever heard the statement that God has a wonderful plan for your life. He loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Listen to these words from this same letter, this is not in your service sheet now, Chapter 2 and verse 10. It says this. For we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. So what he's talking about there is what God does. When we come to faith in Christ. We are made new. We're created as a new person. If anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The Bible says. We are born again spiritually. We're made a new person. Created in Christ Jesus, and listen to these words, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. In advance of what? In advance of our coming to Christ and finding ourselves in him, having surrendered to him, becoming a new person in him, God has in mind, and this is a dynamic process as we enter into this relationship, he leads us into places, circumstances, to meet people, to do things, use up our lives, our resources, in such a way that we are in step with his plan for us individually and others whose lives we touch. It's an amazing, brilliant deal. I told you that I and my wife will have been married 50 years this year. The day I met her, she should have been marrying somebody else. But she broke the engagement. I didn't know any of that. And she'd broken it months before. She didn't meet me and say, oh, this looks better, and choose me. <laughs> she had broken that engagement back months before. And then she runs into me. 
And we were married six months later. But I see the hand of God in all that. I, I thank her for chucking the other guy in. <laughs> I know his name. I've never met him, but I feel sorry for him. It's amazing how God works things out. We end up in Pittsburgh. Can you imagine that? My wife's from the Midwest. She was out on the West Coast at the time I met her. I was living in Philadelphia. A guy said to me when we said we were moving to Pittsburgh after one year of marriage, why would you go there? He said, it's the only, one guy said, it's the only city in the USA where you can throw open your windows on a beautiful spring morning and hear the birds coughing. That was the old Pittsburgh. We've been here ever since we came here of a vision, on a vision to make Pittsburgh as famous for God as it was for steel. That's what brought us here. That vision. And we're still here. I could tell you more about that. It's been an amazing life. And it's been a growing life and a maturing life and a building life. Can you imagine being married 50 years and every year is a replication of the first year, 50 years over and over again. What was the name? Bill Murray in Groundhog. Groundhog Day? How would you like your life to be like Groundhog Day? <laughs> I mean, he wanted out of that cycle. Some of you made a commitment to Christ along the way, and all you've had since then is 50 replicant years. Are you growing? Are you going anywhere? You've got some decisions to make. God has prepared stuff for you. Listen to this next verse. It's almost in line with what we're talking about here. This is chapter 4 and verse 7. But to each one of you, God has given grace as Christ apportioned it. So to quote it exactly as it's written here, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. God's got you in his sights. And when you came to the cross and yielded to Christ, he gave you grace. And there is an anointing from God on each one of us who has entrusted our lives to him, which is a part of his unfolding a plan for us. What are you doing with it? Can you imagine... Listen to this, friends. Can you imagine what life would be like here at Christ Church if all of us were all in for Jesus? Can you imagine what your marriage would be, your family would be, your career would be, the company of friends you keep would be if we were all in for Jesus? Well, we don't get there just like that. But along the way, make decisions and steps that lead us so that we grow and are built up and mature and are not forever children. But be sure of this, in accordance with God's word, he knows who you are. When you come to him, he's got a plan for your life and an anointing on your life, which you need to come into compliance with and yield to and make the necessary decisions to follow along with of course, by his spirit, he's there to work with us. And that's what's described here. So God has given leadership and teaching and teachers and the fellowship of all of us. We all need each other. He's given us the body. 
You can't mature by yourself. You can't do that in any area. You cannot mature. You cannot be built up or grow in anything all by yourself. We need others around us. And God has given us his body called the church. That is not the building, not the organization, the body of believers. So that we can be to each other. Help us. People have spoken to me very directly, my wife quite often, which has been very, very helpful in building me up, redirecting my life, my gift, my energy. People have committed with me along the way to get certain things done, and we've gotten amazing things done. We've let each other down along the way, and we learn how to forgive. Forgive us this day our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There are sins of omission as well as commission. All the things we should have done and haven't done. And we do that together. And some quit. We quit. We give up. We get hurt. We disappear. And we don't grow on. We don't go forward. We've got to learn to forgive. Take your marriage. You've got to forgive. You're not going anywhere if you don't forgive. If you harbor and hold together the grief you've caused each other and dish it out to each other from time to time, what kind of a mess is that? But you know how it works because you do it from time to time. But if you're going to grow and mature in your love for each other, in the raising of your children, in the people you work with where you work, in the family of God here within the church... That kind of growing, that tension, is part of the strengthening, growing, maturing process. To do it God's way. And to take those steps. Commit to the connections you have here. The opportunities to make connection. You heard that you can sign up outside to be a part of a small group. Some of you guys, it's a guy's issue mostly. You don't want to be in on anybody else's life. You don't want anybody to find out who you are. You want to live your own life in your own way, in in privacy. I'm a guy. I know how guys think. I'm one of you. Get over it. Get connected. We have a men's breakfast here, normally the first Saturday of every month. It's an unbelievable breakfast. And you throw whatever you can in the kitty. We don't even charge you. And some guys are so cheap, they throw in a couple of bucks for a $10 breakfast. Nobody's judging them. <laughs> but I notice it. But to be there. This weekend away with the guys, it's not a retreat, it's an attack. A retreat sounds like anything a guy, no, guy, no self-sufficient guy wants to be a part of a retreat. He doesn't want a Dunkirk in his life. This is really a spiritual advance. Get in on it, guys. Ladies, there was a spectacular gathering here for worship for women. They had dinner together, potluckish. And then... Some worship and teaching. That was Friday night. 
One lady came up to me here and said, she needed that. She needed it. She came here knowing she needed it. She's glad she came because she didn't feel like coming, but she needed it. And she said that in a way that was really sort of vibrant, like she got her life back. This morning, said that. There are endless opportunities. Please take that service sheet away and take a look at it and see what there is there that you can commit to. Don't you think the worship we have here and the worship leadership of this music is spectacular? Do you know how good it is? These are real musicians. And they're on time. And they all come in together and quit together. Do you know how good they are? And the stuff that goes on behind the voices. And the drummer. The kid on the drums. I think he's still in high school. He may be in middle school. He's 16. 16. He's fantastic. That didn't just happen. There's a whole lot of work goes. These guys are here before the sun comes up now. Rehearsing to lead you in worship every Sunday morning. My office is just underneath here and I hear them pounding it out. They've made a commitment. Guys, girls, get committed to something. I've got a couple of books here. I authored one and published the second. The one I authored years ago, there's a picture of a younger John Guest on the back of it, is called Beating Mediocrity. The Six Habits of the Highly Effective Christian. You know where I got that title from. Who wants to be mediocre here? Would you stand up? (laughs) Does that sound bland to you? Sort of nondescript, insignificant and inconsequential. Do you know the name Winston Churchill? He's got a, he had a very caustic tongue. Brilliant leader. I was a little boy growing up in England in the Second World War. He became my hero leading us through that war. Sometime after the war, there was another election and he got voted out of office as prime minister and another guy got voted in whose name you don't even know. And I'll tell you what it is. It was Clement Attlee. And you've never even heard the name. You can say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You've never even heard the name. (laughs) He won the election. He became prime minister And Sir Winston Churchill was asked, what do you think of Clement Attlee? (laughs) To which Churchill immediately said, he is a very modest man who has much about which to be modest. (laughs) How would you like that to describe you? Get at it, guys, girls. I'm selling this for five bucks. The money goes into a ministry. This is me selling books for me. Beating mediocrity. This one here is the New Testament. Obviously, I didn't author this. God authored this. But I got it published because another organization walked through the Bible, put together what's in this, and that is the New Testament subdivided by the days of the year, 
So if you start today and work through it, today, next year, you'll have read the whole of the New Testament all the way around. Each day it takes one piece of truth from what you've read, quotes a very significant Christian leader from the past, and gives you some reflection and teaching on that one piece of truth every day. Every day you get a gold nugget of truth out of what you've read, but you're reading the whole of the scripture and seeing how it fits in. Have you read your way through the New Testament? I just ran into a guy, he may be sitting in here, but it, it struck me and I'm, he was confessing. He's thinking of going into the ministry, signing up to go to seminary. And he said, that'll be a good book for me. He said, I've never read my way through the New Testament. Well, that's quite an admission. I think I know a lot of ordained clergy who've never read through the New Testament. You read it every day. I read it this morning with my wife. We read it together every day. Right out of this, we just keep circling around. Before we came out to church earlier this morning, we had a quiet time together, brief compared to some. Cup of tea, read the scripture. Have at it. This often sells for 20 bucks, sometimes more. It's being sold for 10 bucks. I want you to take it. So you get both these books for $15. If you've got this, you can get the other one for 5 You probably don't have the beating mediocrity. Get started. It's a place to begin. As couples, as an individual. It was interesting. Doug up here spoke about going to the marriage weekend, a weekend to remember. He said... I myself have been to that. Do you remember who said that? Did any of you girls think, do you go by yourself to that? (laughs) I immediately thought to myself, he didn't mean that. He meant, I with my wife have been to that. Not I myself. we, We know what he was saying. But I can tell you, married couples, it's a spectacular. I myself with my wife have been to it. I, John Guest, with my wife, have been to it. It's over the top. You'll fall in love again. You won't be able to stand yourselves. (laughs) Now, obviously, all you ladies are very interested in that already. But make the commitment. Sign up and go there. If you sign up this weekend, you... Only pay 50% of what it is to register. I don't know if that's the whole fee. But it's a brilliant Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Commit. Pastor Jared said, go and preach on committing to whatever the opportunities are to become the person God wants you to be through the connections that are everywhere present amongst us. Just do it, will you? Be a Nike man. Just do it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have called us to yourself. And that you have the possibility, the potential in us of transforming us to become more and more like you. More and more like the people Deep in our hearts we want to be, but whom you desire us to be.
So help us to take your word at face value and take the necessary steps to get connected to one another, to whatever the ministry is and the opportunity there is, by which we can mature, grow up, be built up, and be an influence in each other's lives. Just like the little children we promised to be here for and the parents we promised to be here for. That we might be here for one another. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.